Hey, Shanna, did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore? Yes. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But with Libro FM, you get to search up your local indie bookstore and support them instead. And if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. I constantly have a book in my ear because cleaning the house or exercising is so much more fun while reading. Sign up for Libro.fm and use the code GOODBOOKS to get two books instead of one for the price of your first month's membership. Good books. Good books. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Best Book Club podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Jen. And today, we will be discussing The Anomaly by Hervé Letelier. Uh, uh, on to the book. You ready? You good? <laughs> All right. I'm ready. <laughs> this book was originally written in French and was translated into English by Adriana Hunter and released in November of 2021. It was the winner of the French Literary Award called the Goncourt Prize. Which is apparently the most prestigious literary prize in France. Although I heard that it's mostly just like for recognition and the prize is like 10 euros. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) I heard in an interview that this prize makes books go from selling like a couple thousand copies in France to selling like hundreds of thousands of copies in France. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Plus, then it was obviously published elsewhere. So, Hervé Letelier, who is this guy, born in 1957 in Paris. That's cool. He started out writing as a scientific journalist. He has written a lot of books, and seven of them have been translated into English. I also found out today that he has written books of poetry and erotic stories. Ooh. I'm sure those ones were probably not the ones translated into English, but I thought that was a fun fact. (laughs) I've got very rough French. Yeah, I mean, we probably could figure it out. We're Canadian, you know. (laughs) Just get my French to English dictionary. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Translate and then book binding. Hmm. (gasps) Ooh. (laughs) Oh, I say it like we've got all this time. I know. I just don't have any time. (laughs) Yes, for context, people, I heard somebody say that they print off their favorite fan fiction, they format it, and then they bind it, and then put it on their bookshelves. And I thought that was really freaking cool. It is very cool. It will never happen. (laughs) One day. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) One day. It'll be so much fun, though. Okay, Jen, are you ready for a synopsis? Oh, I'm ready. Lay it on me. Who would we be if we had made different choices? Told that secret, left that relationship written that book. We all wonder. The passengers of Air France 006 will find out. In their own way, they were all living double lives when they boarded the plane. Blake, a respectable family man who works as a contract killer. Slim Boy, a Nigerian pop star who uses his womanizing image to hide that he's gay. Joanna, a black American lawyer pressured to play the good old boys game to succeed with her big pharma client. Victor Mizell, A critically acclaimed yet largely obscure writer, suddenly on the precipice of global fame. About to start their descent to JFK, they hit a shockingly violent patch of turbulence, emerging on the other side to a reality both perfectly familiar and utterly strange. As it charts the fallout of this logic-defying event, the anomaly takes us on a journey from Lagos to Mumbai to the White House and a top-secret hangar. All right, Shanna, what did you think? I loved it. It was great. This was a fantastic book. 
What would you rate it? Oh, uh, I think it was four or five stars. I, I think probably four because there are a couple of things that made it not super perfect, but it was really great. Maybe four and a half. All right. It's not on like the top book list, but it's up there. No, but it was so interesting. Yeah. It made me have thoughts that I haven't had to have before. Oh, gosh. And now have had a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's so many thoughts happening. And I have a feeling that a lot of this episode will be not actually about the book at all. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what about you? Um, yeah, I really liked it. I guess my first thoughts that aren't about the book at all <laughs> would be <laughs> what initially drew me to it was uh, watching this show called Manifest on Netflix, which I've talked about a lot. But in the show, a plane takes off from Jamaica, hits a really big, like really bad storm. And then when it comes out of the storm, it lands at the airport. And it's five years later. So everyone, this plane just disappeared for five years. But to them on the plane, it's the same day. Mm-hmm. So when I read the synopsis, I was like, oh, yeah, manifest time. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> so I think kind of having that interest already really helped me out. I think I, like, I want to say I'm having a hard time rating it because I know that it's a good book and deserves like, yeah, four to five stars. But for me, enjoyment wise, probably just three to three and a half, mostly because this is, this is, I, I want to say this is a character-driven book, but it's not really. But there's a lot of characters. It has more philosophy than Mm -hmm. plot. Yes. Yeah. So it's not really character-driven. It's not plot-driven. It's philosophy-driven, which also (laughs) is not how my brain works. So yeah, we have all these characters. There's too many for me to follow, too many for me to care about. We got to know them too well and also not enough. Spent too much time with them. But if we had spent more time with them, I would have liked it more. Like if we got to mm, kind of delve sure? into them a bit. <laughs> I don't know if you would have liked it more or less. And I don't think you know either. <laughs> I don't know. What do I know anyways? I do agree that we had a lot of characters. And I don't know that I would have missed some of them. I mean, I liked parts of their stories and not others. Like for example... Just in that synopsis, which, of course, I'd never read that synopsis before. (laughs) Uh, I like to save it for the podcast. Yes. Joanna, her story, like with Big Pharma before, I didn't find that particularly interesting. But her story after Mm -hmm. with her relationship, that was heartbreaking. Yes. And like really meaningful. So I wouldn't want to cut her because part of her story I really, really loved. But the other part kind of drags a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's lots that I I wouldn't have missed if it had been cut out. But overall, it was super interesting. And some parts were a lot darker than I was expecting. (laughs) And I like that. And yeah, it definitely got me thinking about a lot of stuff. So I mean, that's a win right there. Mm -hmm. So I would I would definitely recommend it to people for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Time for the discussion. So from this point on this episode, will contain spoilers. You have been warned. Let's go. Let's go. So we start out by meeting a cast of characters. This is where we just learn too much about these people for far too long. And so we thought we'll tell you about them. Okay, so Blake is the first character that we meet. 
He is a hitman, and I am really glad that we started out with him because he was really weird and interesting and set this strange tone for the book that wasn't what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, is this like, is this a thriller? <laughs> yeah, right. I was also confused, but delighted. <laughs> uh, he became a hitman almost accidentally when he was 20 years old and over the years has perfected the art of contract killing while maintaining his other life as Joe, which includes a wife, two kids, and four restaurants, which I don't know. Okay, you cannot run one restaurant well and also be a contract killer on the side. Yeah, much four? That'd be hard. I mean, the. I'm having a hard time with one coffee shop and two kids and no killing. <laughs> yeah. Restaurants, those that's a big game. I don't know. Maybe it's like a buffet. I don't remember. He has really good managers. Yeah, he must. <laughs> but and also where did he find them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Please send them to me. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed the beginning of the book and yeah, him starting out the whole story was perfect. Not that we get a whole lot from him throughout, but he's just like these perfect little breaks of insaneness. Like he's so gruesome. He kills people in like the way that it was written was just so gross and horrible, but awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a really cool way to start the story. And actually something that I really liked about this book was the way that it was a weird mashup of genres. Like I couldn't really pin it down to anything because it's almost like each character had their own genre. Yeah. Then we have Victor Mizell. He is an author who won a literary prize and his books get good reviews, but they never quite take off. So to pay the bills, he translates books into French and he's quite good at it and even goes to New York to receive an award for one of his translations. Then one day he writes a book called The Anomaly over the course of a few days after a trip to New York, sends it to his editor and then jumps from his balcony, killing himself. After his death, the book is published in record time and completely explodes People go absolutely nuts over it. This was so cool. Yeah, again, not what I was expecting at all. Also, because Victor Mizell is clearly a self-insert for the author, mm-hmm. the fact that he offed him like that, I was like, whoa, what? dude, you, <laughs> like, you need to talk? Immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just uh, reminded me of, there's a scene, I believe, in The Grudge where this guy is like fine and then all of a sudden he's not and he just like walks to his balcony and then stands there and then just leans over the edge and just falls off and it was so shocking in the movie and that's exactly what i pictured here and it was perfecto okay i might be getting the movie wrong because i feel like i've told somebody this before and they were like hey you're getting the movie wrong but let's see the i love it so much the one that's leonardo dicaprio inception doesn't his wife, in one of the times he's chasing her, jump off of the balcony and like suicide herself? I don't remember. Because that's what I thought about. I don't remember, uh, but I believe you. Well, that's what I was thinking of. If I'm getting the movie wrong, somebody email me and tell me. But I think I'm right because she keeps chasing him in all of the, the dreams. I, oh, I yeah. love that movie. I've seen it so many times, so I feel like I'm right. I, I kind of get his movies mixed up a little bit. Right? He always plays... Suave guy. Yeah. Exactly. Who <laughs> looks exactly like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. So then there is Lucy, who is a film editor and single mother. She meets an architect named Andre, 
and things are going really well with him until he has to go to New York for work, and he invites her to go with him. When they return to Paris, she suddenly has no interest in him at all, feels suffocated, and eventually leaves him. This is another one of those storylines that I like the second half better than the first. Yeah, because we get to know them too well, their relationship, and then also Andre once they return from New York and we go with him to what India or something. And Mm -hmm. it's just, I just don't really care about him architecting anywhere. (laughs) He was like full on going to architect meetings and stuff. And I'm like, eh. (laughs) Right. And I almost wonder like the kind of dullness of them, the original them compared to how interesting their story is when all of a sudden you double them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's interesting, but yeah, I liked. It's interesting to think about. It's dull to read. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So then we have David, who has just learned that he has stage four pancreatic cancer, and the prognosis is really bad. And less than a month later, he's dying in the hospital with his wife by his side. There is a passage in this chapter about a plant that is stunning and is the kind of writing that you stop and go back and just read it again. Because... Oh, I thought it was just so beautifully done. I'm, I'm. A, it's the only passage about a plant. I remember it, but I don't remember oh. being floored by it. Oh my goodness! I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I need to go back and read it because it was brought up by another one of our friends too, and I was like, "God oh, damn it! I just totally missed that whole passage about the plant." I was just like, "Ah, it's a plant." It's basically about how, like David, he's got this cancer, and there's a tree in this waiting room. And nobody's watering it. Nobody's checking on it. And if they water it just in time, like there is a moment before the plant will die and a moment after it's too late. Mm -hmm. Right. But somebody waters it just before it's too late. Whereas with his cancer, clearly it did not get caught soon enough. And it just really was gorgeous. I highly recommend going back and reading it. I will. I really, really liked it. I don't know if anything's lost in translation. Like I would love to be able to understand the original French, but I thought it was great. Yeah. With the translation, there is definitely at least a few sentences in this book where I was like, ah, (laughs) this sentence does not flow as well as it should. And either it's my brain not being as smart as (laughs) L'Atelier or not being as French as him. I'm not sure which one it is. (laughs) And once something gets translated too, they want to keep it as close to the original, but you can't keep the same cadence when you change languages. Yeah, it's hard. It's just impossible. Yeah, well, even just uh, like I've mentioned before, talking to my one employee, Abby, who's from France, and whenever we do like translating things, (laughs) just talking in conversation, like, what is this like? What does this sound like? (laughs) She's like, no, (laughs) it's no. It's not good. <laughs> it's not it's not good. It's not the same. <laughs> Don't do it. Oh, Sophia. Ugh. Sophia is a little girl who lives with her brother and her mom and dad. Her father is in the military and has bad PTSD that is not being treated, and so he isn't very good to his family. He has other problems too. Yeah, he had a lot of issues. Yeah, he was a bad, bad man. And oh, poor baby. I hated that part. I, I hated I hate. Hate. Hated. But of course I did. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you have to hate it. He is uh, not only just generally abusive, but also sexually abusing his daughter, which 
I was just hoping that I was reading it wrong. Me too. At first. I kept reading it again, being like, this could be either just a regular dad giving her his daughter a bath or there's a problem here. Oh, no. I figured it out way before the bath. Mm. It was like... Uh, the beginning, I was like, oh no, there's something weird going on something. here. Something, yeah. And I was like, oh, is it going to be, oh, it's going to be sexual abuse, isn't it? Yeah. But then it kind of left you hanging, like, you're not totally sure. Yeah, it didn't, doesn't come, just come out and say it, and then it does come out and say it eventually, but. Yeah, I was bummed just reading the first part of her chapter and being like, oh man, am I really going to have to read uh, Abuse of a Child? Uh, oh well. Yeah. It's hard to escape in almost every book. <laughs> yes, almost every book. But we should talk about the frog that came back to life. I love the frog, Betty. <laughs> yeah. This is a thing, apparently, right? It has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, uh, they get dried out and then they just kind of are like, I hope I don't die. I'll have to go into death mode, just logging off for a bit. Yeah. And then you just <laughs> rehydrate them and then they hop away. <laughs> I mean, it's like a plant, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But the plants shouldn't hop away. You've got a problem with your plant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Joanna is an amazing lawyer who is meeting with a client who runs a pharmaceutical company that is being sued for releasing an insecticide into the market before it has properly tested. And it turns out that it's super carcinogenic, obviously, as they are. She has a really sick sister whom she cares for, and she has recently found out that she is pregnant. So this is the whole part of Joanna's story that was not very interesting. The market testing, insecticide, blah, 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 blue. I mean, uh, it was. I did like, it was fine. But compared to the pregnancy and the relationship and all of that, which is weird that I would like that more than boring courtroom stuff, but <laughs> that doesn't sound much like me at all. No, right? <laughs> I do like babies. Yes. So yeah, that had a lot more emotional pull for me then should i keep being a lawyer <laughs> yeah i just kind of thought like with her sister being sick that there was going to be a little bit more to it than that mm-hmm. oh yeah but that did it gave her a drive to take the darker path mm-hmm. oh and then there wasn't there like a secret society yeah that she was invited to come and <laughs> join or like come to the meeting but then she uh, didn't go <laughs> have you still not seen b movie no i'll never watch b movie Please watch B movie. No. I've referred to it like three times already in this podcast. <laughs> like, uh, you're gonna just have to watch it so that any of the time you know what the hell. <laughs> I'll send you a clip of the lawyer from B movie because okay. that is who I pictured the entire time. Anybody out there who's cool enough to have watched B movie four hundred times, like some of us, <laughs> uh, know who I'm talking about. I. I want to say John Goodman is the voice. Oh, I love John Goodman. And he's doing like a, and I here do declare that this court, <laughs> and he's like yeah. a big fat guy. It's, yeah. yeah, I'll send it to you. He's got like snaps his suspenders. Okay. Yeah. That's who I pictured the whole time. As Joanna. The movie animation and all. <laughs> yeah, almost. No. no <laughs> As the guy. Okay. As the, the lawyer, the, the dark, evil one. Right. Yes. <laughs> Slim Boy is a Nigerian pop star who recently became famous for his song he wrote about his home neighborhood. He is gay, but it's not okay to be gay in Nigeria. So his fiance is a lesbian woman, and they have come up with an agreement for both of their safety. And yeah, it's super illegal to be gay there. 
so it makes sense. And and you know what? Maybe it's because I read a lot of like LGBT books and content, so I am not starved of it in any way. I was like, oh, we really could have cut Slim Boy out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really wasn't. He wasn't even really in it, hardly. Barely. And like, I get it. I don't know. He almost felt like a token gay in the story. I didn't yeah. feel. Ugh. Maybe it's because he was a pop star and I just didn't give a crap. Yeah, I don't but. care about the pop star either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not that his story wasn't interesting, but the, the pop star-ness kind of turned me off. That, and also we just had so many characters that if I had to cut one of the storylines, his would have been the one that I, mm. yeah, got out of there. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So Adrian is a university professor at Princeton. One day at a work event, he comes very close to getting with a colleague named Meredith that he has had a thing for. But just as they're about to kiss, he gets a phone call. And it's not just any phone call. The phone that he's been carrying around for 20 years that has never rung. And when he answers it, the person on the other end says the magic password, and he knows what he has to do. He leaves Meredith behind, and when he leaves the building, a police car is waiting outside to drive him away. I loved it. I loved so it good. so much. Yeah. yeah, I liked this whole part. Uh, he just got cock-blocked so bad by <laughs> his own ridiculous science. And you know I love me some science. So, uh, yeah, it was really funny. I <laughs> He felt like comic relief. Yeah, especially now when we're going to go into like what this is. It's, it is ridiculous, but it's hilarious. It feels like I was reading this book for so long and it was interesting and I was enjoying going along with it. But I'm like, hey, I have got to be like a quarter of the way through this book and I have no idea what is happening. Well, yeah, it gets to be like, I think, close to half by this point. Yeah. Of just these characters' stories. And this is what I'm talking about. It just, we learned too much about them. It went on for too long. There was too many of them because it's like, okay, that's when I kind of started getting like bored of it. Is something going to happen or, Mm -hmm. but then it does. Yeah. Then this kind of drug me back in. It all started with September 11th. After that disaster, Adrian and another mathematician, Tina Wong, were tasked with coming up with official protocols for absolutely anything that could possibly happen (laughs) uh, with an aircraft, specifically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that if this or anything else ever happened, whoever was in charge would know what to do. It's a tall order. Yeah. (laughs) So they write 1,500 pages of scenarios and protocols, but then the question was asked, what if something happens that is not in this document? which, by the way, contains everything down to aliens taking over. So, not likely. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they created Protocol 42, which, of course, made my heart flutter because it's a uh, Douglas Adams reference uh, okay. to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, the protocol would be that they would carry phones, never turn them off, and be available at the drop of a hat if they were ever to ring, and then they would figure it out. They were paid $1,000 a month from the government to do this, never thinking that the phones would ring until they did. Great deal. Such a good deal. (laughs) I would take it. I would take that deal. I'll take it right now. I mean, it backfired on them. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, you know what? You guys want me to figure something out? Whatever. I work pretty good on the fly. Yeah, right. I mean, they got 1000 bucks a month for 20 years, so they did okay. (laughs) Okay, so what do all the people we've mentioned earlier have in common? 
They all traveled on a very scary flight from Paris to New York in March. And why was Adrian called on his bulletproof phone? Because that exact same plane with all the same passengers, flight crew and turbulence also landed in New York in June of the same year. And no one knows why. It was so interesting. Yes. I just, I loved it. It's such a cool concept. I haven't watched Manifest. Manifest, not maternity. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> no. Manifest. I also haven't watched Lost. Yeah, Lost is good too. That's what gives me all these Lost vibes. But yeah, I've never seen it. So. I don't know. I think I must like weird plane stuff, I think. Yeah. I, I think I do too, but I just don't, never had to experience it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I might have well, to get into it. Personally experience it or? I, you know what? Maybe. Who Maybe. knows? I would love a vacation. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of landing at the airport like normal, the plane is intercepted because you can't just land a plane at the airport that came out of nowhere and technically already landed months ago. So the military sends up some fighter jets to bring it to an airbase where all the passengers are housed until they can figure out what's going on and also what to do about it. Yeah. I love that the pilot's like, what is wrong with you guys? (laughs) Yeah. It's me. I... I am the pilot. I'm ready to land. And they're like, <laughs> just like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> You're probably very worried about us. <laughs> yeah. uh, and yeah, it just keeps going good. to like a higher chain of command. He's like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was also funny. The pilot was good. So Adrian and Tina, who created this protocol, are called to the airbase to help them figure out what has happened and what to do about it. They have some ideas like a wormhole, 3D printing. No, it's probably not those things. The 3D printing one especially. I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very big air 3D printer. Yeah, it's a little bit unlikely. <laughs> Maybe it's just because of where our 3D printing is. I mean, it's getting pretty good, but it's not recreate entire life forms in the sky good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> they believe that Most likely, the correct hypothesis is that they are all living in a simulated consciousness and the plane was a glitch or test. And here we are, simulation theory. Do we just want to talk about it now or later? (laughs) Like, I have some things to say about it. (laughs) Simulation theory, turns out we're all living in a simulation. And that's just how it is because it's in all of my books. And why would it be in all of my books if the simulation wasn't giving me all these books? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Right? Read me that, Jen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't. Okay. The problem here is, is that, I mean, this is going to make me sound probably kind of stupid, but this is not something I'd ever really heard about before. I mean, I'd watched like The Matrix when it came out, but it's not really, you know, I don't know. Hasn't stuck in your mind? No. <laughs> it's been like 20 years. You weren't like, maybe that's real. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I'm like, ah, oh, let it go. And then, yeah, it keeps popping up. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to look into this a little bit more. And then now I'm like, oh, my God. And the worst thing is we can't prove it. We can't do anything. No. So it's like, does it matter? No, not really. But also, it's like when you think about the universe and then you just think about how it goes on forever and ever and ever, and then your mind explodes and then you can't sleep. And then you're just like crying in the night. And then it's all you can think about. And you're <laughs> looking up YouTube videos and you're looking at books and you're going insane. And you're like, why aren't any aliens coming around? That doesn't make any sense. 
Are we maybe in an isolated simulation? (laughs) Oh my God. I was wondering if I should uh, tell my simulation story. Okay. Yes. Yes. You should tell your simulation story. (laughs) Because I just, at first I just thought this was a weird thing. And then I realized, oh my God, there is a glitch in my simulation. All of a sudden you can see all the glitches, right? Yeah. So just for everyone out there's enjoyment, one day I'm standing at work and I look outside and I see this weird guy who's kind of almost looks homeless, but kind of also, would it be mean to say what I normally say and say kind of looks like my dad? (laughs) 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 Well, not like my dad looks homeless, but he, he would understand just like a gruff looking middle-aged man. Oh, yeah, that's right. I said recently exploded. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> another time we'll tell you about how Jen's dad yeah. actually exploded. But. Yeah, that's that's another story. I'm sure it'll come up one day. Yes. <laughs> but there's just this man out there and he's bouncing these weird like copper colored rubber rings on the statue and he's like bouncing them and then he's going and getting them as they're bouncing off. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And then I looked over to the left of him and there is another guy and he's standing completely still looking at the entrance of not my coffee shop, but of the building that it's attached to just looking directly at the entrance and not moving. I was like, okay, there's two weird things happening side by side, but they're not too weird that I'd really think too much about it. But then the ring bouncer guy picks up all his rings and then walks away. And as soon as he walks away, the guy who is staring like reanimates and just walks into the coffee shop. And I'm like, what the heck? But I was like, okay, it's just a regular customer. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was listening to something on his headphones. I don't know. He's normal. So he comes up orders his drink like always. He gets a large latte to stay. He sits in his same spot as he does every day. He opens up his laptop. He starts doing his work, puts his headphones on. It's all the same. And then he leaves. And then a few minutes later, he comes back in, except for it's not him, slightly different. So I'm like, oh, that's weird. I thought that guy was this guy. I must have had them mixed up. But then this guy orders his large latte to stay sits at his same table as always, gets his laptop out, puts his headphones on, starts working, and then he stops, gets up, takes all his stuff, moves to a different table that he's never sat at before. He always sits in the same place and then sets up there instead. It was weird. It's very strange. Yes, there was a glitch happening around the shop, for sure. Yeah, where they couldn't like they didn't want to meet at the same time. They didn't want to be there at the same time. So like they couldn't be, but then they like glitched and he came twice in the same day. <laughs> or then they like realized that I like realized. I was like, oh my God, he realized <laughs> he knows that I know. That's why he's moved. And it freaked me out. It's weird how your brain thinks now, right? <laughs> yeah. And then me and Sam have noticed that every single time I drive home or either of us drive home, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. Anytime we drive home, the same man is always running by our house in the same spot. <laughs> oh, we have a running guy. We call him uh, the coolest guy ever because he he's always wearing a leather jacket. He's always <laughs> wearing sunglasses and he walks with swagger. Yeah. It is so put on and it's so heavy. He is not a background character. He's like an NPC that you get a side quest from. He's, oh, he's something else. 
And then, yeah, I've seen him, like, he would normally just be walking. But then we saw him running, but he's still wearing his jacket. And he's still got <laughs> swagger. But he's jogging now. He's <laughs> trying to trick you. <laughs> yeah. I uh, was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about this. And they said, oh, there's this always this guy is always walking his dog at the exact same time. Or not the exact same, t- same time, but every time these this couple would leave for work, there would be a guy walking his dog. And he'd be wearing the same thing and he'd be the same in the same place. And then they're like, you know what? I'm going to talk to him. I'm going <laughs> to talk to him tomorrow when I see him because there's something weird going on here. And then he was never seen again. And I'm like, okay, so I need to like, I'm going to pull it. over and I'm going to talk to him. But then am I killing running guy? <laughs> you, I, right? <laughs> I don't know. I hope not. Because <laughs> yeah, they're not programmed to have interactions. They're just... Out but there. aren't we all programmed? Yeah, we are. But um, the you know non-player characters in our lives, they're mm. not programmed to talk back to us. They're just programmed to run down the street so we know that there's other people around. How many times have you thought, what if I start doing and saying things more positively? Maybe this world war will stop. Because <laughs> only like 500 times this week for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No big deal. <laughs> It's all on me. I'm probably the one doing yeah, it. <laughs> you are. Uh, I, was, I was telling Sam that probably the reason that people have, like, we're just going off now, but <laughs> for the reason people have, some people have ghosts that they always happen to be around certain people, but not other people, because that person's player likes ghosts. <laughs> eh. They're into <laughs> ghosts. So, of course, they would get the ghost expansion pack for their game. Of course. Obviously. If you don't like ghosts, you don't want ghosts in your game. It's just how it is. It's true. So yeah, I've been um I've been <laughs> in a hole <laughs> yeah, the last it's, couple of days. <laughs> the fact that it keeps coming up in more books too is getting like, come on. Yeah, they're telling us something. We can't talk about the book because it's not released yet, but Emily St. John Mendel's new one, Sea of Tranquility has simulation theory in it. And that was one that I read, I think, almost immediately after The Anomaly. Mm-hmm. And I was I was quite upset. <laughs> Which they call what's happening in The Sea of Tranquility, The Anomaly. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, uh, I was like, okay, am I like not understanding what anomaly means? So I like looked up the definition and I can't remember what the exact definition was, but it is not... Simulation theory. <laughs> it's like <laughs> just, you know, something weird that happens. But like that is a weird coincidence. It is. And I've had three books with them so far this year. So can't remember what the third one is. Oh, probably one of my uh, space books. Yes, probably. But um, yeah, considering I have not encountered this at all in such a way that I didn't even know it was a thing. And now it's everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. It's freaking me out. I'm even having anomalies in my own life, my own coffee shop. (laughs) (laughs) It's very strange. Should we we keep telling them about the book? Back to the book. The reason you are all (laughs) listening to this episode. (laughs) Okay, where were we? So... They have no one has any idea what's going on with these planes. But now what do they do about it? All the passengers are living in this hangar. No one knows what's going on. Um, Victor is writing again. Joanna is building a case to sue everyone, obviously, uh, because they're being held there against their will. I mean, it makes sense. 
Yeah, right. They, yeah. <laughs> if you were like a super lawyer, that's a, I would be right on that. That's what you'd be doing. But also they kind of have to hold you there against your will because something messed up is happening. Yeah, right. But like nobody there knows that. Yeah. So you'd be just so mad, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So the government brings together a group of 12 religious leaders to ask them what they think of the situation. I know what Jen thinks of the situation. It is, who cares about this chapter? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind it. I didn't I didn't mind it as much as everyone else. But. Oh, I liked it. I think Carolyn liked it. You were okay with it and then everyone else skipped it. <laughs> yeah, it went on a little too long. But they want to know if according to their beliefs, if these people who have been duplicated are a divine creation. They are all not entirely cool with the idea, but according to their beliefs, technically, yes they are. They are not created by Satan because Satan doesn't create. The other thing that they want to know is if they have a soul. Of course, it is very difficult for these religious leaders to come to an agreement about anything. We've proven that (laughs) over thousands of years. The outcome they are looking for is an agreement from them all that these people are protected from criminal acts from people in the name of their religions. So, yeah, it was a big (laughs) philosophical debate, a big roundtable, and... Like I've said before, I grew up Catholic, so it was really interesting. I went to Catholic school, so we did religious studies. So I have, um, you know, a pretty decent base knowledge of a lot of religions. So for me, I thought it was a, a really interesting little sparring time. But also they were all kind of idiots, so it was it was fun. I thought it was it's- a good time. <laughs> It's kind of funny because I feel like like when we were talking about it with with our friends, because everyone kind of comes from slightly like different religious backgrounds or lack thereof, and I feel like everyone read it like a bit different. Because mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what like Carolyn was saying or what you said at the time, but it just I remember feeling like oh, that's not really how I read it because I kind of read it like they were all saying the same thing. I can see that. Yep. But just slightly different, which is kind of like how a lot of religion is. Yep. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. (laughs) That made it funny to me. Mm -hmm. They were all on the same page in a lot of ways, but then they also just all love fighting with each other. Yeah. Yeah. They're all like, you're wrong, but also we're saying the exact same thing. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, God, this is why I cannot be in these groups. Yeah. I also am like, what am I doing here? <laughs> but yeah, they do agree that these people cannot be killed or attacked in the name of their religions. So I don't even know why I had to be a debate. It seems obvious right? to me. No one should be killed or attacked in the name of anyone's religion. That is. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That's pretty much. That's what I believe. Yeah. <laughs> So there were passengers from China and from France on the plane. So the president had to call the leaders of those countries to tell them what had happened. We find out after the call that the exact same thing has happened to a plane in China. A duplicate one landed months after the first, but in their case, they released no info about it. So funny. So good. Yeah. I was shocked and delighted. Yeah. (laughs) And also not surprised, really. Not at all. No, I was like, of course. Of course. Yeah. And they still have all of the people oh, from yeah. the second plane. They're all in custody still. This could have happened how many times? Because yeah. nobody knows 
if double people show up, nobody's yeah. missing. Yeah, exactly. It was interesting the way that the author wrote how China dealt with the anomaly and then also how the United States deals with the anomaly. Very different. The government starts rounding up all of the doubles from the plane that landed in March. They bring them to the hangar so that they can be told what happened and meet their doubles. The government lets them decide what they want to do about the fact that there are now two of them and they will help however they can with new identities, cash, etc. Sometimes it's an easy solution. Slimboy reveals that he's found a long-lost twin brother. Clever. But other times, it's a lot more complicated. March Joanna is happily married and pregnant, while June Joanna is happily married and not pregnant. To the same man who wasn't on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah. Lucy has a son, and neither version of her is willing to give him up, so how do they navigate him having two of the exact same mothers? Victor is supposed to be dead, and he is not dead. Yep. Oh, the two moms broke my heart. Oh, so hard. But then the kid is so good. He's just like, yeah, whatever. I got two moms. I got two moms. Same mom, two moms. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> it's complicated. Holy crap. Each time, I would just think like, what the hell would I do? Right. I would cry a lot. <laughs> yes, a lot. Yeah. Some of their situations a little bit easier to um, navigate, but. Yeah, some of them know. But Victor, the author, really got to use it to his advantage because now his book is just like real popular. He's not hiding it. He's like, I'm, I'm back from the dead. Yeah. I've, I've been cloned. I don't know what he's saying, but. One of those very few times, because like there's so many authors who barely sold anything when they were alive mm -hmm. and have just been selling stuff for hundreds of years ever since, just the biggest authors of all time. Yep. And they don't get to experience any of the, like artists too, yep. right? Their work's not famous until after they've died. He gets to reap the benefits of the, the death bonus. So that's pretty cool. Yep. And then the bonus gets even bigger since now he's alive. And uh, people think some, some people think it's like a publicity stunt, but. I would. Yeah. <laughs> Still a good idea. <laughs> Still, yeah. good. Still sells books. Yeah. Okay, so remember Blake, the hitman? Whatever happened to that guy? Well, <sighs> he just straight up, what, steals a... Does he steal a car or something and like just drive it out or just he punch does. his way out? He set a bed on fire, yes. which was okay. funny oh. because we had recently read. <laughs> yes, that was the other thing. I remember Cloud, Cloud Cuckoo, Cuckoo Land. Land. People setting beds on fire to make distractions. Jen had this big problem. How do you set a bet on? No, that wasn't her problem. <laughs> <laughs> I had so many problems. That was one of them. But but now here it is being used again, effectively. Yeah. Well, she set the bed on fire to create a distraction. And then she just like, ha like uses an axe to hack her way out of a spaceship. And then in this book, it's the same thing. Uses, sets a bed on fire, creates a distraction, breaks out of the hangar. I forget how he does it, but... I think it was just, well, he used the madness of everything to his advantage. He saw like, okay, these guards don't know what the hell they're doing yet. Nobody's put together. Everybody's confused. Let's throw a little bit more confusion in and get the hell out of town. Yeah, but he, I definitely have like a Blake shaped hole in the wall in my head. So I feel <laughs> like he like crashed through the wall somehow. And I can't uh, remember if it was like, I don't know, he actually smashed it down or... <laughs> in my head, I mean, you know when you see a door that says emergency exit alarm will sound? <laughs> he just went through it. Nine times out of 10, 
those aren't going to sound. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he just went out. He went down some stairs. He found an outside door, found a car. <laughs> I like my story better. <laughs> Yours is pretty good. It's a little more Looney Tunes, but it's still quality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, my God. So he escapes. He has all these different identities because he's a hitman. He has like different passports and all the cool stuff. So he just gets on a plane. No one knows who he is yet. Gets on a plane, goes back to France, then goes to his apartment, sees someone's been living there, him, March him, who just got off the plane back in France and was regular living his life. I love that he's a psychopath, right? So he sees him living his life and is like, well, I'm going to have to murder him. Yeah, that's like, there's no feelings involved. (laughs) No, and not just regular murder him, like murder him, make him scared, chop him up into little bits. I really, it was hard to follow because I had the same name, Blake March and Mm -hmm. Blake June. So it got hard to remember who the hell was who, but just the way that it was told that he is also him 100%. Mm -hmm. So he knows damn well, he's not making it out of this. Yeah. There's no way he would let him live. Yeah. So it's just, this is the end for you. Yeah. It was good. I love that. I wonder how I would do tricking me. Probably really good. (laughs) God, I would just feel like, oh, sweet. Two people to clean the house. Like, <laughs> man, we're using this. One of us stays home. One of us goes out and does stuff and we just alternate. Easy. Dream. <laughs> but, oh, actually, that would be great. <laughs> just alternate yeah. going to work. Alternate doing kids stuff. Alternate cleaning. We could do twice as much stuff. You know damn well that it wouldn't be one of us just rests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, true. We get so much done, though. Well, we could start taking a bunch of trips. Maybe we'll go on the right plane. Maybe. We'll try. Yeah, so he murders himself real good. Yeah. I love it because later on the news, it comes out about all of this, and he's just sitting with his wife like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they still have no idea who he is because he's using all these fake names. So he's just the guy that got away, and they had to let it go. I mean, I spent... 150 bucks on this webcam a few years ago and uh you know we can see each other perfectly fine high def but the government and banks and malls i don't know what's wrong with their cameras they can't seem to focus in on those faces this is a very true story i should lend them my webcam <laughs> something they don't want us to see <laughs> I'm so fucking tired. Oh my God. They try to protect everyone the best they can, but the media always has a way of finding things out and the story gets leaked. Despite the, I mean, there was 270 something people on that plane. Mm -hmm. It was going to, it's going to happen. Yeah. Despite the fact that the religious leaders agreed that these people were a creation of God and should therefore be protected just like anyone else. The fanatic followers don't agree. Of course. Mm-hmm. One of the girls from the plane, a small stage actress, goes on the Colbert show with her duplicate, and a riot starts outside the studio. The girls escape into a limo, but someone manages to shoot them both dead on the way out anyways. They both get headshot. It was also I didn't I didn't I should have seen it coming, but I didn't see it coming, and then Did it not happened. See it coming. And then I was like, oh, I know. I was bummed. I thought they were going to get away. I thought they were like one of the happy ending stories. Yeah. No. No. 
They were not. Yeah. Uh, let's see what happened. Sophia and her double, they end up swapping notes. And what their dad's doing is happening to both of them. And they end up talking to, like, all of these characters are talking to psychiatrists the whole time before they meet each other and after. And they're like, mm, there's something wrong with this kid. And they found out what was up. And so he goes to jail forever. Mm-hmm. And that's a happy ending. I yep. mean, happier, of course. Ha- yeah. Is out there. But, I mean, for that story. Oh, and then the saddest one. Is it the saddest one? It Joanna? might be the saddest one. No. Oh, the cancer dad. Oh, the cancer dad. Cancer. Yeah. So he was the pilot. Yeah, he was the pilot. Um, what's his name again? David. David, yes. His brother is a doctor. And so he was the first time the doctor who told him, you have terminal cancer. So that sucks to do. Mm-hmm. And then he was with his brother while he died the whole time. And also he had kids who watched him dying. His wife was with him while he was dying. And then he comes back and he's got cancer again. And they think like, oh, maybe we caught it in time. They didn't. So now they all just have to watch him die again. Yeah. Can you imagine going through it twice? It's horrible. And it's, it's horrible. All, like also just the worst nightmare situation where someone gets diagnosed with cancer and then they're literally dead a month later. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, it's a nightmare. freaks me out, man. It's horrible. So... Yeah, having to read that twice was really hard. Yeah, it was I was really like, sad. oh, good. This is going to be like the plant, and they're going to catch it in time. And I was like, well, you tricked me with your beautiful plant story. Yeah, they did. <sighs> but, yeah, I think they needed to catch that probably years. Yeah, quite a bit sooner. Years sooner, yeah. <sighs> so yeah. Moment of silence. in the end everyone is moving on with their lives getting second chances or not and then a third plane appears in the sky and this one they do not let it land they can't so they shoot it down and game game over over. yeah yeah it's uh the simulation starts shutting down oh what is it called So I read this book on audio, and the way that they did the audio at the end was so cool. I I loved it. So it's just – it's telling the story, and then it starts sounding like it's glitching and like it's shutting down. It sounded – I don't think that I can legally play it for you guys. But if you are an audio person, it was fantastic. But the way that they did it at the end of the book, when we all got together – I needed to see it because, I mean, I didn't know how the heck else they would do it than the way that I heard it. But there's actually a name for what it was. I didn't notice it at the time, but one of our friends, Leah, is a genius. Oh, it's called a calligram, which is, I guess, when the words make a picture. And I did not notice it at the time, but it, well, do you remember what it created? I'm going to go get it. One sec. Okay, thank you. Because clearly I'm doing a great job. So yeah, the way that the words, they kind of were Matrix style dropping down the page. And I thought that was the point is it was like the Matrix. But it was actually making an image. It's like a triangle, like an arrow, like a... Oh, it's an hourglass. Is it? 
That's what well, she it said. Could be. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the bottom of one. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see I it, but she did. But apparently it's called Caligram, and that's cool. I would like to see more of that in books. Yeah, in the book, like, so I, when I read it, I didn't, I didn't read it as the simulation ending. And I thought, just because it's just like a bunch of words or a bunch of letters all mixed up. And I was like, okay, like, is this supposed to be some kind of code that I need to break? And I'm like trying to figure out the code. And I'm like, no, I I don't do codes. I don't get it. And I was like, uh, why don't I understand? And then I just was like, okay, I don't know how it ended. <laughs> I just left yeah. it at that. <laughs> so like not reading it that way took away, I think, from my overall enjoyment at the time. But finding out that that's how the audio ended and that's <laughs> what it was, was like, I was like, okay, no, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I love that shooting down that third plane was the wrong answer. Like we just had to keep figuring this out. And yeah, we got it wrong. The president in this book was very clearly uh, Trump. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of funny. Definitely the French opinion of him. And well, I mean, many people's, not everybody's. I don't want to start making people mad. Yeah, but, but you know. You know, they there was a lot of stuff in this book, a lot of satire. Yeah. And I do wonder how it's going to age because of some of the like more timely, like Colbert and Trump and mm-hmm. some of those things that are kind of a now thing. Yeah. Though I feel like the bumbling, ridiculous US president is kind of a regular trope in all it's media. A bit of a trope. Like yeah, that's true. And that's been going on for a long time, way before Trump. So, you know, I think everyone's probably behind that. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> It'll true. be okay in the future. But as long as we keep uh, doing the right thing in our simulations and we don't game over ourselves. Ugh. Looking at you, everything. (laughs) (laughs) Just hearing about Elon Musk trying to figure out simulation stuff. I don't know. I don't want to read too much about it. It's freaking me out. But he's on it. And I feel like I don't want to have a game over. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want a game over. I like my game. I would like the game to keep going for my babies. I would like them to get a good chance at the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to have to put this book away and stop thinking about this. Mm-hmm. I have been reading a lot of happy space <laughs> since yeah. then. Like I still want to be reading weird, like spacey stuff, like sciencey stuff, but I don't want to have an existential crisis. Yes. <laughs> no. <It's> like <laughs> what does life matter because of this? Or does it matter that we are in a simulation, what, what? What I like to imagine, though, is we get to live these great lives all the way to the end, and then we die. And then, you know that light? That's like when we're taking off our VR helmet. Yeah. I'm like, that was fun. <laughs> Let's try this one. Next one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? So. Well, as long as I'm not, like, feeding my baby and see her become a pixelated oh. blob and then just float away, because <laughs> that's my nightmare now. <laughs> Thanos, snap. <laughs> oh god no no that's not gonna happen better not oh i'd be so mad <laughs> so mad <laughs> i would start writing up a legal case immediately yes okay but yeah so final thoughts final thoughts i will definitely be looking up some erotica from this guy yeah yeah <laughs> oh my final thoughts are this book was great and 
I like that it gave so much stuff to think about and chew on. And yeah, it's definitely one that I recommend everyone give a try. I feel like the response when I read the book, I thought, wow, I liked this so much. Everyone's going to hate it so bad. (laughs) Everyone liked it. Yeah, everyone liked it. It was good. It was great. I didn't totally love it because of the character stuff, but otherwise, yeah, it was awesome. So thumbs up. Okay. So guys, we are wanting to do something a little bit different for next week. We forgot to tell you about it last week. I'm sorry, but this is a five-week month, which means it disturbs our pattern of mini regular episode, mini book club. So we have to do something extra for the middle of the month. So we were thinking we would do a extra sort of mini where if you guys have any questions for us, send them to us, send them to our email, ask us over on our Instagram. We will make a post and we will just do a Q&A episode for our weird extra episode this month. Yeah. Ask us anything if you dare. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got an extra week this month to read your book club book. So that's exciting. Yeah. Get reading, guys. Get reading. This month, we are reading The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. So it's very popular. (laughs) Yeah. So start reading. Um, Our discussion is going to start over on Instagram and Facebook on uh, March 23rd. So if you haven't already, head over there. Give us a follow so you don't miss it. Um, And... If you've read this book, The Anomaly, we want to know what you thought of it. So give us a shout. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at best underscore book club, or even just send us an email at best underscore book club at outlook.com. And yeah, send us those questions. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Otherwise, we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.